for what I believe is the directorial debut of Charlie Day. And for those who don't know who that is, that's uh, he plays. He, he's the writer, producer, creator, and star of the show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, and he's been in a lot of other movies, you know, before this and even during the time in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And you know, has a great podcast and all that stuff. Um, but this is like his first full fledged writer director debut, Fool's Paradise. Now. I don't believe this went into theaters at all. And if it did, I, I, I don't know how it did. I think it made under a million if it went into theaters, if I read correctly. I don't remember exactly. But what I do know is that when I sat down to watch this, because I'm a huge Charlie Day fan, and I know that anything that he's probably written is probably going to be solid. It's got to be fucking solid. Because every season of It's Always Sunny is solid. He's great in pretty much every role he does. Charlie Day is an amazing actor. He's amazing to watch. He's amazing to listen to and hear his stories from things of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on the podcast that they run. And just, you know, all of his movies from things like uh, what is it? Fight me with uh, Ice Cube, and then Horrible Bosses with uh, Jason Sudeikis. Like these are all really, really good movies. So now here you have Fool's Paradise. He comes out, he writes, and he directs this, and he also stars in it. So what is Fool's Paradise? Fool's Paradise is essentially this mental patient who doesn't talk to anyone and doesn't really have a history of anything. Like nobody knows his name nobody has any direct connection with his family and he has some sort of disease that like he kind of just mimics people like he doesn't understand social cues or something and the joke is that he's he's part of this facility who is refusing to pay to treat him anymore so they're just kind of like yeah we're gonna send him out into the world so he goes out into the world he's homeless and he's trying to like make it and then all of a sudden, well, not like make it, he's just trying to like figure out what to do with his life. And then all of a sudden, he gets picked up by Ray Liotta, which, you know, granted, this must have been one of the last films Ray Liotta did before he passed away. May he rest in peace. Ray Liotta is such a great actor. But Ray Liotta sees him and it's like, holy shit, this guy looks like this other dude. And this other dude is also Charlie Day, but Charlie Day is playing two people in this one scene where this other guy is a method actor. And he's in he's in the middle of doing a Western film and the two characters look exactly alike, but he's an uh, he's an overbearing actor. They say that he's a method actor who takes takes it too seriously. So they're like, if you don't do your thing, I'm going to have this dum dum here go up and be your double. So they bring him up to be his double for the day. And it's, you know, obvious he has no social cues. He's not understanding whatever anybody's doing. And by the end of the the shoot of that day, they think he did such a great job. Meanwhile, hasn't said a word. They think he's done such a great job. And the method actor winds up killing himself in his trailer. So they finish the movie out with this guy. And then that apparently gives this guy this kick into Hollywood where he marries uh, one of the actresses that's on the film with him. Which, by the way, kudos for Charlie for getting such a great cast of people. Like, l- listen to this. You have you have Charlie Day who stars in it. Then you have Ken Jeong who plays a publicist who picks him up and is trying to really push him out there. Not a manager, but like, it- it's weird. It-, it They play it off like it is his manager, but I think the presence is, since it's a publicist, it's not really his manager. 
but maybe a publicist and a manager are the same thing. Not 100% certain, but yeah, Ken Jeong's in there. He's he's tremendous in the film. Then you got Kate Beckinsale, Adrian Brody, Jason Sudeikis, Jason Bateman, Common, Ray Liotta, John Malkovich. Like, it's a huge cast in this film. And then it just keeps going on with this thing of he doesn't say a word and just stories happen around him. And he just keeps getting involved in all these people and all these weird things. He marries Kate Beckinsale. They adopt four kids. She leaves him for Adrian Brody. He doesn't say a thing the whole movie. I th- The premise of Fool's Paradise, from what I know, is just that, you know, it, it's kind of this play on you really don't have to say anything to be involved with these people. And life just kind of will still flow even if you're not actually awake for the whole thing i mean i'm trying to put meaning behind it but truthfully it's just so strange and it is it's really a letdown because you you are hoping that charlie day would have done more for this like it's written by him too and i and i wish i could have found something that would have dug deeper and said oh yeah this is this is some movie from the 50s that he reimagined and redid and rewrote. Like, no, this is his original idea. And it just, it doesn't hit any of the marks. It's just not doing anything for me. As a Charlie Day fan, I tried finding finding enjoyment out of it, and I just couldn't. And I watched the whole thing, and by the time it was done, I was like, what a fucking waste. Like, w- this is such a waste of just just the cast this is a waste of just the cast in and of itself. Having all of these people in on this and not fully taking advantage of a lot of it is tremendously daft. Like it's such poor, it's such a poor decision making on the idea that you got all these people in on it and they did nothing. It's like if you had the movie Chef and you decided to make everybody speak a different language. Like, Chef had so many good actors in it that played these minor cameos. That's exactly what this is. But this isn't as good of a movie. And it really sucks because if you're a Charlie Day fan, you went into this with very high expectations. I would love to say that even with low expectations, you would come out probably not satisfied. You're going to come out not satisfied regardless. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. I've seen reviews. It's got like 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got 4 out of 10 on Metacritic. It's really fucking low. I think it's like 27 uh, out of 100 um, on um, uh, IMDb. Maybe I have that reversed. I think Metacritic is actually 27 out of 100. And I think 4 out of 10 is IMDb. Either way... It's nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. It's not likable. You know, there's there's no redeeming qualities about it. And you wish there were because it has a tremendous cast backing it up and a tremendous writer. All the years that Charlie Day has writing and all of his acting chops to put out something like this and think he did it justice. I mean, I don't know. Even if it went all the way to the end where, of course, how does it end? It's going to end with the guy who hasn't said a single word the whole film, finally saying something, and I don't even remember what he says. It's not monumental in any way. If he came out of nowhere and gave you a speech, like, I remember, what's that film with Charlie Chaplin, The the Dictator, that really famous, truly amazing, inspirational speech 
about, you know, liberty and freedom that he made while he was kind of like making fun of like Nazism from back then and kind of speaking to the people through through his outlet. His outlet is that he's an actor and this is a film. This is my message to the world. If you choose to listen to me, here it is. If they made some made him do some big speech like that that had some sort of meaning behind it and that's the only thing he said for the whole film, maybe that would save it. But it doesn't. He said something stupid. He said something like, I want cheese. Like, I don't, he doesn't say anything of any value. So the first time he says anything, actually, no, he doesn't say I love cheese. I think he says I love you to Kang Jong because they get separated and they reunite, you know, that whole spiel, you know, we become friends and then we're both homeless because we, we lost success. Oh, he also loses. He, he gets up there with the amount of success that he's making millions of dollars. By the way, it doesn't say a single fucking thing gets another movie deal, bombs that movie, and then loses all of his money, loses his sponsorship, everything. And then they're just kind of friends at the end. And they give him they give him a dumb name. Oh my god. They give him such a dumb name. His name his name in the mental hospital is obviously John Doe, because he can't say anything, so he's not talking to anybody. And when he goes out into the world and he gets picked up into this Hollywood bonanza, Ken Jeong, the publicist, gives him the name Latte Pronto. Throughout the whole film, whenever they're referring to him, they full name him. Very few times do they just call him Latte. If they just called him Latte, like Cher or like McLovin, I probably would have accepted that. But they call him Latte Pronto so much that it gets irritating. Like it's, 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 it's audibly annoying the amount of times they say Latte Pronto throughout the film. I don't know if that's what they were going for. I don't know if the genius is how bad it is or how this writing is meant to sort of be a play on what Hollywood is. I don't know. I don't know what fool's paradise is. This is no paradise. I just feel like a fool. 